7.04 and another big one on tap for you tonight. Tyron Sports 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo and Ira, is there anything more exciting in South Florida than when Honda Classic Week rolls around? I, I get so amped for this every year and here we are. Well, I just get amped for everything. We have spring training that just started, the Honda Classic. Um, you know how much I like the tennis. So you just finished the Delray, and the Miami Open is at the end of the month. So you have baseball. You literally have two baseball games, professional games, with, uh, every day for the next month. And you have the Honda Classic, which is the top one of the top golf tournaments in the world. So And you have one of the best tennis tournaments in the world. Yeah, actually, I went out to uh, Roger Dean just to get some baseball in. Saw the Cardinals, uh, saw the Cardinals play the Marlins. Just nice to have, you know, the, just the sound of the bat and the smell of the grass back. So, uh, yeah, I managed to make it out there this weekend. Uh, ton of fun. We'll talk about baseball coming up in a little bit. Um, Bryce Harper's still not signed. Everyone else is playing but him. So we'll get into that. But, um, you know, with Honda Classic Week here, I want to talk golf. But first, wh- where have you been? This is kind of a quiet week by your standards. Well, I'm here in the studio, which is great. But, <laughs> but I, I just went to the Laker game, uh, the Laker Rocket game. So I think one of the topics we talk about the NBA is it's the interesting thing is considering that LeBron has, since 2004, uh, been in the playoffs and for the last eight years have been to the NBA Finals, there's a chance now that he might not even make the playoffs and it'll be really interesting to see to make this stretch run in terms of can LeBron and the Lakers. And it adds a little excitement to the end of the year. Usually this time of year in the basketball, it's like teams are positioning themselves for the playoffs, but it doesn't really matter so much. Uh, but now with the Heat battling as in the 10th spot, trying to get that eighth, eighth, eighth position and also the Lakers, uh, you have two teams that people around this area follow a lot are interested in, uh, see what's going to happen the last month of the season. What do you personally think is going to happen? You think LeBron and them have what it takes to make it? This is this is going to be his toughest challenge yet. I think they're going to make it. I I think it's very close. It depends a lot on Sacramento and Sacramento is playing them. really really well and they're a good young team and they're going to play hard and uh and the Lakers just the one thing is the Lakers defense is terrible. Against the Rockets they won that game, but they were just there are points in the game where they looked like I mean there the two of their players crashed into each other. They were on the <laughs> ground. It seemed like the Rockets if they just ran a play could score every time. It was almost like the Washington Generals and the Harlem Globetrotters in terms of playing. All right, Ira, let's get into it. Um, we'll talk Honda Classic in just a minute. Um, but first, the WGC is in the books, and Dustin Johnson, you turned it on on Sunday, and it really wasn't even fun to watch. I mean, he was just playing lights out, and he had a, had a huge lead and just uh, took a wire to wire. Well, Dustin Johnson shot a 21-under. Rory McIlroy was at 16, and the third place was Paul Casey at 11. He had a 10-stroke lead over the third place. Yeah. And Rory actually played great in the for the final round, shot five birdies in the last nine holes, but so did Dustin Johnson. I mean, when you watch Dustin Johnson and you see how he plays like this, you're like, wow. I mean, there's just more there. Like mm. he, he's That was his 20th title. He's 34 years old. And it's interesting. The last time a golfer got to 20 wins was Davis Love in 2008 when he was 44. And Phil won his a 20th win in 2002 at the age of 31. So J- Dustin is just a little older. And of course, Tiger won his 20th when he was 24 <laughs> years old. But but Ernie Els, Ben Crenshaw, Tom Kite, all Hall of Fame golfers, they never won 20 titles. They only won 19. So Dustin Johnson is 34. I mean, the last three years, he's just been playing. He's won three tournaments a year for the last three years, 30 top 10 finishes. Uh, when he plays like he played in, in Mexico at this tournament with this great field, you're thinking another major this year for him. Well, that's what I was thinking, too. When he's on his game, nobody can beat Dustin Johnson. It was like watching Tiger back in the day when Tiger was on. You, there was nothing you could do. And that's how Dustin Johnson's playing right now. You brought up an interesting you know, thing about Roy McIlroy. It's good to see him hitting the ball well. He was a guy who I really thought, especially with the, you know, the, um, 
all these other good players coming up. He kind of got pushed to the side with the Justin Thomases and, and the Ricky Fowlers, but he looks like he's back in his game, Ira, and I'm excited about that. Well, against Genesis, he had a good tournament there, and now another uh, second place at the World Golf Championships. In his last four uh, tournaments, he's been in the top five. So he clearly is getting is getting is, is everything's together now. He has to finish strong. He's had those problems last year yeah. in the in the final rounds. However, uh, you're right. Rory has the four majors, and uh, he's still pretty young. So the point is, I mean, it's nice to see Dustin Johnson play great, Rory play great, really setting up for a great summer for golf. Um, well, the Honda Classic, you know, the week officially begins today. Um, the practice round is on Wednesday. One, probably the, my favorite thing to go to. So I'll be out there uh, Wednesday for the practice round, and then we kick everything off on Thursday. Ira, you know, we talked about it here on Ira on Sports. Um, when, when the golf schedule was released and how they kind of shifted some events around, that it was going to be tough to get a, to get a, uh, you know the quality fields that we've had at the Honda the past few years, and it did look like it panned out that way. Where is everybody? Well, I think you know someone. I got a lot of texts. People said, "Oh, I can't believe Tiger didn't play. I can't believe Roy didn't play." If you look at their schedules and see how people play, you really can't blame them for what they did. I mean, it, it, for the schedule. First of all, there's 14 main tournaments in a year: the four majors, the players, three World Golf Championships. And the Memorial Genesis in Bay Hill. One is to Jack Nicholas, one's to Tiger, one's to Arnold Palmer. And those are getting those are pay those are all paid around Bay Hill Genesis and are about nine point one million. Honda's only at six point eight million. And then you have the three FedEx Cup events at the end of the year. They shrunk the season, so now it's only from a January to the week before the Labor Day. And so you have a situation where you have the Genesis, and then after the Genesis, you have the World Golf Championship, and then you have the Honda, then you have Bay Hill and the players. So the because both the Genesis and the World Golf pay so much more and you have the players in the Bay Hill pay so much more it's just impossible to get really think of this field but this is the same tournament this tournament the Valspar a lot of these other tournaments are sort of sandwiched with your if before a major they're after a week after a major it's difficult and that's why the field it's like you're really missing a lot of I mean if they had Tiger and they had Rory that's enough and they, if they had Tiger, Rory, and Phil, that's enough. But they don't have them. They have no Dustin Johnson, no Spieth, no Justin Rose, Jason Day, no uh, Bubba Watson, Tony Finau, Patrick Reed, Deshaun Blow, John Rahm. I mean, really missing a lot of the great names in golf uh, that have taken this week off and are going to play Bay Hill in Orlando next week. You know, and I was looking at the field, yeah, I mean, it's Justin Thomas, who you you thought after you know getting exhausted at the Genesis last week that he might bail. Thankfully, he didn't. Um but with you know, it's him, Ricky Fowler, and and that's really it. I, I mean, well, I think Brooks Kepka being yeah, Kepka the home, and I think kids. that's who I'm going to follow. I mean, I, I think you have to pick sometimes who you're going to. I want to see how these groupings. I think the groupings come out tomorrow, but uh, uh, I I'm real interested. I mean, remember Brooks Kepka is numbered is is uh, number two four in the four in the world right now. Uh, he's won three majors in the past two years, two U.S. Opens, the PGA Championship. Um, I mean, it's going to be exciting to see him play. He didn't play last year because he is of a wrist injury, and then Ricky Fowler. Who I mean, you have the winner. Dustin Thomas won it last year. Ricky won it the year before, and Adam Scott won it the year before that. So um, you have Justin Thomas, Kepka, and Fowler. You have Adam Scott, who's been playing really well. I mean, he went. He was the person who had the belly putter when they took the belly putter out. There was an issue. Could he play? But I, he's now recovered. He looks like the same old Adam Scott in terms of of uh, has 13 tour titles, and he was second in the Farmers Open this year. Uh, uh, some other players like Gary Woodland, number 23 in the world. People like his six top tens this year already. Um, 
um, and three wins on the tour. He was at 50th place last year. Daniel Berger, who's from Dwyer, right there, um, he was out for four months last year with He it. took um, Padraig Harrington to a, uh, a, a, to playoff. a playoff. That yeah. was a great playoff. That was a ball. great Honda. Yes, where they went back and they had to play 17 yep. again, and nobody was there. They played 18. It was, it, was a, it was a great ending of that. And, I mean, this player, Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood has played great in the majors. You remember him at the U.S. Open last year at Shinnecock had that amazing final round. Uh, and he's ranked 14th in the world. Not Doesn't have a, a PGA Tour win. Maybe this is the week. He's 28 years old. He's one of those golfers that people are saying, the good, young, great, young golfers. Uh, J.B. Holmes, who won Genesis two weeks ago, um, is going to be exciting to be in there. And you have Sergio Garcia, who really has not played well this year at all. He's missed uh, three cuts in seven events. But he's just, a, he's just a name. But it'll be hopeful for the Honda's perspective. You've got to hope that some of these big names are there on the final Sunday because there are a lot of, quote, no names in the field. And you really would like to see the Thomases, the Kepkas, the Fowlers there on Sunday. And like you said, in recent years we have. There's, it's been really exciting Sundays. Um, you've been to the Honda dozens of times, just like myself. Is there any bigger anomaly than Sergio Garcia? I've seen him play so good. And I've seen him play so awful at the Honda. He's he's like a tale of two golfers day to day. It's crazy. Well, he's fun. You know, it's I've seen him. We've seen on on TV uh, the videos of him uh, hitting the sand trap, getting upset, throwing a temper tantrum. But then a lot of times on the and uh, the pro am, he is so nice, engaging. He's probably one of the most talkative. Like mm. every he's he's friendly to everybody on the course. I mean, whenever I've seen him at the Honda, he might be the nicest person besides Ricky Fowler on the yeah. course. I mean, Ricky Fowler is great. I mean, if you want to. Follow at the pro am someone follow Ricky Fowler who probably get signed and for every autograph he uh, he always goes one day to go to the the Puma tent and I think signs for three hours mm-hmm. autographs he's very fan friendly everybody likes him uh, I mean they they got really a a, a group of uh, golfers that are that are going to be fan friendly for this event seven fourteen you're listening to Ira on sports this is ninety five nine the True Oldies channel I'm Mike Balsamo here as well okay so Ira let's talk about it. if someone's new to the Honda Classic. Let's give them the crash course on how to do it right. I've been to the Honda Classic, I would say, 24 times, usually going four to five rounds. I figure six years in a row I did that. Um, you know, Going into this year, we're planning on doing the same thing. I've probably been to that more than anything else in the world except Shea Stadium growing up, which is you know not, not, not great. Nothing like the Honda Classic. You are a, a follow guy usually, especially if Tiger's in there. I'm more of a pick-my-spot, watch everybody come through. So what's your guide to the Honda Classic? Well, you could maybe say which holes you like to, to pick the spot and go through. I do like to follow. I mean, it is interesting. If you want to watch um, the driving range, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You can get some good spots sitting at the driving range. If you want to see Tiger hit like, well, he wasn't. he's not going to play, but I've seen him hit a million balls on the driving range. But if you want to see your favorite golfer, that's fun to watch. And also the putting green right out there. There's no extra. You don't need any VIP passes. You're standing five feet from these golfers and watching them putt for a half an hour. Mm-hmm. So that's always a great place just to stop and, and just watch. Um, for the tournament, I think when I follow, it, the f- people get depressed on the first hole. The first hole is a problem because it is really the tee box is not the right spot for a lot of people to watch around it. And so people are like, oh, my God, it's so crowded. But just go out to the fairway. Don't wait on that first mm-hmm. hole. So I go out to the fairway, and then even that green is a tough green. But then once you're past one, two, and three, they're, uh, they're, they're, much, easier, uh, um, they're much easier to see. And, uh, but then on five is a par three. I mean, it's a par 70 course. So mm-hmm. there's only uh, one par five on each, uh, each um, one, and then there's two par threes mm-hmm. and on each side. Uh, but then I think on the par three, it's nice to go to the green and then six T is really, really good. But then 
at, what happens is the early holes are a problem because like on seven, they, you, it's hard to see the tee and then it goes, they play, it goes up to a green that nobody can watch. So you can't see the green. You can't even walk anywhere close there. I mean, the story I always have is that I have my binoculars and Rory McIlroy's father is like, where's my son's ball? Where's my <laughs> son's ball? And uh, so then you watch seven and eight and eight's hard because you can't see them tee off and it's like really boring. But then from eight to nine, you can follow through. Mm. Uh, but then I think the back nine is where I think is easier to watch. Almost yeah, you're, all you're getting home. away from the clubhouse. You're yeah. getting away from the clubhouse. 10, you can follow them from 10, 11, 12, and 13. 13 is great. You're all away in the back. There is nobody back there at all. That's the one where the story I told last year is that I went with my mom and we were walking and uh, she got very tired during. She said, I want to give up. I want to give up. This was like three years ago, four years ago. And I'm like, you got to keep fun. You have to keep doing it. And uh, so she walked up to the, the one side of the green. I was on the other and Tiger putted out and then walked walked to my mother and just walked off the course and quit. And I'm like, I ran over to my mom. Like, what did you say? And I didn't realize <laughs> that it was his children were there and he just walked up to them. My mom was staying next to the children and said, uh, uh, your daddy's too tired. He's wants to, he doesn't feel well today. He's going to go back. But on ESPN was the picture of my mother talking, it looked like <laughs> talking to Tiger. But th what I'm saying is on 13, that's great. And then of course the final holes are great. The 14, uh, uh, the par four, four, I mean the, the par three, 15 is an awesome par three. Mm. Then it goes I prefer that to 17. Yes, that's a fun par three to watch. And remember, they're all hitting over water. I mean, I was at the Genesis. There's no water the whole time. There's something about watching golf hitting balls, even their pros over the water. It's fun. I mean, it's mm. really fun to see. And when they hit into the water, it's amazing. And then and then you certainly get to the bear trap on, on, on I mean, on the, the famous par 17, which we talked before. A lot of people feel like they have to spend the expensive uh, bear trap ticket when they really so not don't. Worth it. Yeah. There is a lot of space. The Puma Club is right there. has the same view from the other side. The same view. You. you can see what 17 and it's fun up there. There's, I mean, the 17 is great. I mean, the fact is for people who are not from South Florida listening to the show, it is literally a stadium around a par three mm. with water in the middle. So that goes from the entire, from the green to the tee box all around. I think it seats like 17, 18,000 people and it's pretty cool and it's very loud it's a fun experience. and it's a fun experience to watch. And that's great. And then 18 is always hard to follow because it's um, the tee box is in a bad location and then trying to follow up, you might get to see something in the fairway, but that's hard. But I always say is that if you're going to, follow golfers follow the the back do a back nine follow not the front the front nine is a harder one to follow and walk around no it absolutely is and you're right um as you get away from the clubhouse i was going to say the same thing 13 14 when you're out there you you've got pretty much free reign there's so many so much less people it does get really hectic on 18 of course you know as, as all the uh, fans are coming in um 15 and 17 you know they they always say uh, you know, maybe it's it's more rumor that, that these you know these holes aren't as hard as they are. I played this course a bunch of times. They're just as hard as, as everyone makes it out to be. That 17, especially with that pin placement, when they get it up over to the right side of that green, the wind just carries your ball. I mean, I've never. There's no more hole in golf. I think where, where more guys hit the water than, than 17, and it's just it, the way the tee box is set up. It's just extremely difficult. I actually have parred 15 before. It was pretty much one of my biggest accomplishments in golf. Um, but it's also very noisy. I mean, 17 people don't. Like, stadium atmosphere. Yeah, it's a stadium atmosphere. It's not like golf, and people are screaming. They can't calm everybody down. And I think some golfers get unnerved by that, um, especially on the weekend when it really, really is noisy. And uh, but it's it's exciting to see that. And I said the the amount of water 
and the Honda on almost every hole. It's a it's a beautiful, beautiful course beautiful to walk. Course. I find it. I think it's nicer than Riviera. I mean, I went to the Players, which is easier to watch because of the of the grandstands. Um, I've been to the U.S. Opens and I've criticized the U.S. Opens. The U.S. Open courses, Beth Page, Shinnecock, Oakmont. Those are hard courses to walk around. It's hard courses to follow. They're smaller mm-hmm. courses, but this is beautiful with the water. It's a really great golf course to walk around. You're absolutely right too. Uh, Bear Trap tickets are 140 dollars. What's a general admission? About 50. So you're you're paying almost triple the price, and it's really all the same amenities. You don't get you know people think oh they you know it must be booze and food for free in there. No, it's the same exact thing as if you're in the Puma Club, the Dark and Stormy Bear Trap, which is actually on the 17th green as opposed to the 17th tee box. Don't waste your money. It's it's more of like a, to me, it's the who's who. Nobody's really paying attention in the Bear Trap anyways. They're all talking and drinking, which is fine. But if you're there for the golf, you can do it for a fraction of the price and get the exact same view. And there's so many tents that have things like, I see like the Citibank tent. Like most people have, well, not most, but a lot of people have a Citibank card. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have a Citibank card to get you in there there's if you have a visa card or a mastercard you can get in a lot of these tents like there's a lot of tents that are you think that are you need a wristband to go into but you don't they're just open they're they're for advertising purposes especially on 17 and then on 15 there's what there's places to go so it it, it, it's one of those things where you shouldn't feel intimidated that oh i'm not a vip i can't go and see those things it's really a great place to walk around i mean just the, the other thing is to get there super early parking uh, parking is it's difficult. Hectic, yeah. It's very difficult, and you and you have to give yourself at least. And when the moment you park your car to get in the tournament, you probably have to give yourself a good hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Um. Even the you know when I when I first started covering the Honda Classic, you used to park. Media would park. In PGA National, you pulled right in. It was amazing. Then as the tournament's grown and grown, they just keep pushing us further and further back. You're right. You need about an hour, um, if you're, especially if you're in um, you know, general parking over a dire park here in, um, in Riviera Beach. It's going to take you an hour but to get, get there. get there early. I mean, that's what uh, – I mean, you're not going to have Tiger. Tiger is always the first person on the Pro-Am, and it's like the best thing to watch Tiger in the morning. But I think if you can get there early, you avoid all the parking problems. You really avoid the crowds. Crowds don't come out in the morning. And if you really want to watch the golf – to celebrate and have a good time come out in the afternoon that's fun yeah. too but if you really want to watch the golf i would say just get there as early as you can in the morning and and, and walk around you're listening to iron sports 95.9 the true oldies channel i'm mike balsamo it's 7:22, talking about the honda classic which starts today with the festivities and runs through the entire week ira the um the practice round is the most fun to me if you really want to get up close and personal with the golfers I've been at on 17 before and been the only person there in the bear trap. Like literally just like leaning over, like saying hi to everybody as they come by. I, I think people would think, oh, a practice round. I don't want to see that. It's extremely entertaining. I've seen Tiger Woods, you know, like he's right up close to personal with you and there's not 50 million fans. That's why Wednesday is my day at the Honda. Right. Tuesday's the practice round. Wednesday's the pro-am. And they really are. The golfers, you'd be shocked how they'll talk to play. Like during the round, if you want to talk to a golfer, they're not talking to you. There's very few. I mean, I mentioned Sergio and some of these other golfers that might have some, uh, might give a wave to the fans. But on Tuesday and Wednesday, they are very, unless they're having a bad day, they are talking. They're friendly. I've seen... I've seen uh, Rory McIlroy uh, go play with someone's dog who was there. Mm. I, I saw another time Rory, a little kid, came up to uh, his bag and took uh, what, like his putter out of the bag. And it was like three-year-old kid. And Rory came over there and said, why don't you come up to the green and start hitting the ball with the kid? I mean, what a thrill to be three years old and have Rory give you putting lessons. Um, and it's they're, it's they're just so much more relaxed and fun and talked to. Um, and there's a lot of, there's still enough big names. These are pro golfers. This is, this is still a very good tournament. And uh, it's for fans to come out who like golf and whether you're young or old just to see the golfers this is a great time to go watch it ira um 
kind of a scary, uh, scary night if you're a Duke fan. And got a text from you saying Nike stock's going down. <laughs> tell, tell us about this. Well, I think we talked about the Duke Carolina game. And I, I have been racking my brain for the past week trying to think about when I saw a sporting event that was over like in the first 20 seconds. And I can't really think of it. I could. I remember when Tom Brady and the Patriots, when he got injured the first game of the season. And if you're a mm-hmm. Patriot fan, they were like, oh, my gosh, Tom Brady got hurt the first game of the season. But it's hard to think of a major sporting event. I mean, the Super Bowl last year, Brandon Crooks got injured, one of the first plays. But to have the star player in the most anticipated game – the one that Barack Obama is in the first yeah. row. You have every celebrity. Tickets are, the minimum ticket price for the game time was $3,000 to come in. And in the first 20 seconds, Zion Williamson comes, dribbles the ball, stops, and his shoe blows up, and then he hurts his knee, and he's out of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, that is just unbelievable. I mean, it's not just another player that got hurt or someone who got hurt in a shoe. He literally was in the Nike shoe. He put the, well, the shoe, Paul George model. I the Paul George model. It totally collapsed and he's hurt the rest of the game. And I thought it, it, it was a terrible look. Now, this has happened to Nike before. I mean, they've had Troy Roten uh, was a player that had the shoe blow up on him and Mano Ginobili also had a shoe. But someone at, at this level, at this stage with the most watched college basketball game of the year. Um, and I felt terrible for Zion because he was so enthusiastic and so amped for the game and it really just took the whole bubble out of that whole game it, it, it definitely did and you know this was a game Ira you know going into the this this year I think it was kind of on the fence who is Barrett going to be the best player you know so we didn't really know and I was expecting one of these other guys to take over with Zion out and kind of you know show like hey I, I'm a top three pick as well and that never really happened Ira and uh, I'm sure a lot of people lost a lot of money but not Duke in this game <laughs> well yeah of course I mean they lost 88 to 72 they only shot two for 20 from the three-point line in the first half it's funny UNC finished two for 20 for the game but Luke May who's a senior who played on the 2017 championship game. He had 30 points and 13 rebounds. Uh, Cam Johnson, another senior. I mean, North Carolina is more of a senior-dominated team. He had 26 points, and uh, it was a great win. I mean, it was so funny. Two year, last year, people thought Nassar Little, who is the freshman for UNC, was going to be as good as Zion Williamson. <laughs> and Nassar had like uh, three, four points. It was terrible in that game. He looked he looked awful. But it was it was one of those games where just oh, so deflated. I mean, you're watching it and you're just nervous because you don't know any reports. I mean, did Zion tear his ACL? Did he, is he sprained? Like, what is his injury level? And when you knew he was going to come back in the game, and boy, but that set off an entire debate, I think the entire week, about should Zion play? Should he not play? Should he stop playing this year? He was actually um, ruled out for tomorrow. Um, they have a game tomorrow night. He's not going to play in that, but it does seem like he wants to be on the court. I mean, what have you heard? Uh, if I were him, I'd probably shut it down. <laughs> there's, there's nothing to play for at this point. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second with the, the one-and-done rule. But what have you heard? I mean, is he, is he going to—I mean, I'm assuming he's trying to play if they're, if they're ruling him out. Oh, I think he's going to play. The, I, I, he, he is someone who loves playing basketball. I just think he's—I I think this debate about whether he should play for the, the NBA, I think that he's someone who, uh, if he broke his foot, would probably be out there playing with a broken foot in a cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's someone who I think just likes playing. Uh, there's not—I don't think—he's just trying to get healthy. I think Duke is probably, in all likelihood, Duke is holding him back, not the other way around. I th- he, he di- For someone who dives on the floor and has the enthusiasm that he has, uh, I am a big fan of Zion Williams. I've been a fan from the moment I saw him play uh, this summer in the in that Canadian tournament, and all year, I have just, I've, it, to be a superstar and the passion enthusiasm enthusiasm he displays every game, uh, I'm sure he's going to be back. I don't think it's a debate. People are saying what he should do. I, I don't think it's a debate at all. I guarantee you he's back playing 
Um, Ira, let's talk about, you know, he would have been the the poster boy for one and done. I, I think that a lot of teams would have taken a shot on him or any of these Duke guys um, before this year. But in the NCAA, you do have to play a year. You have to be 19 um, to, to be eligible to be drafted. I don't want to debate whether you know whether or not you agree with this or not, but they're starting to um, lobby to change this, aren't they? And I'm excited about it. Well, I, I've, because I have my own radio show, I can talk about this because I, it's so funny how I listen to so much discussion about the one-and-done rule on ESPN, on all the networks, on te- and people don't understand what it is, what it actually is, and what, it, what, the, what the impetus for it and what's going to happen to it. So just give me a minute. I'm going to go through in terms of it, in 1968, Spencer Haywood was the first guy. He went to Detroit. He went, the rule was you had to be 22 years old to play in the NBA, and he said, I want to challenge it. He took it to the Supreme Court and won. Mm-hmm. And then it, then it wasn't until 74 where Moses Malone and Daryl Dawkins they challenged it. They went right from high school. And you heard these are these great players that went right from high school into the NBA and played. But surprisingly, for 20 years, nobody else, no other high school player went, even though they, they could have. That No one chose to mm. go. There were a couple of players like Sean Kemp and Lloyd Daniels that went to college, dropped out, but still won. But then what happened in 1994 was Glenn Robinson signed a 10-year, $68 million rookie contract. He was out of Purdue. And we signed with Milwaukee. And then suddenly a lot of the players were like, I don't know. That started the idea about the players saying, why are these rookies getting all this money? So then after that, they put the rookie salary scale in. But in 95, Garnett turned pro and was Kevin Garnett. 96 was Kobe. Then Jermaine O'Neal. And, and, and Kwani Brown was in 2001. And then uh, Amari and Stoudemire in 2002. LeBron in 2003. And then Dwight Howard in 2004. So you're getting high school players coming. But in 2005, a lot... Now, this was a combination between... This was not an NCA role. This was really an NBA role. But players said, we don't really want these high school kids coming in and taking my job. I'm 25 years old. I'm in the NBA. I'm in the union. I don't want the players coming in that are high school players taking my job. So they sort of said, okay, one year in college. And then also the the management and the union and the the, uh, team said, we don't want to be recruiting. We want to be scouting, going to high school gyms in the middle of nowhere, looking and trying to draft these players. Because some of these players like Kwani Brown turned out not to be as great as they thought Al Harrington, I think, was a kid straight out. There was another there was all those issues about going. So that's why it was sort of a combination. People think this is an NCAA rule. It's not an NCAA rule. This is an NBA rule decided between the players and the league. And it's interesting that in football, Maurice Claret, people remember him played for Ohio State. So he challenged the rule. And when he went out and challenged it, they went to, that went to the Supreme Court also. And they ruled this called non-statutory labor extension, saying that, wait, it's the union and the league have agreed to have this, this rules in place, what you have to have. So even though Maurice Clark said, look, I'm ready to play. I'm only a sophomore. I still want to play. But the, but the Supreme Court upheld it saying when you have a union contract, you can't you, – that, that trumps anything else. So, but it seems like now – there is this impetus to have uh, freshman play. It seems like the owners want it, the players want it, and, and that's what's going to happen. And the only thing that's really holding this up right now is that the, you, the they, they would implement this next year. The contract doesn't end until 2023. But the owners want to say, okay, we want medical information from all these high school kids. And the union's like, no, we don't want to give the medical information because we want to sort of push where team, where, who drafts certain players. But I think if they can come to an agreement on this medical information, 
information, I really think you're going to have a situation where both now the owners and players are going to let the high school kids in. And then also the other important point is that the G League has gone from a 35000 salary to 150000 salary. So now you're going to see people go to the minor league of the NBA. You're going to see some freshmen who's not, who would normally go to uh, college basketball are now going to play for the G League. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to change college basketball. You're not going to have the stars there, and some people are going to make mistakes. But I, I'm guaranteeing with the next two years, the one and done is going to be gone. How much do you think that Luka Doncic is partially to blame for this? I, I know that there was, I think Durant came out and said something you know, along the lines of, well, this kid's been playing pro for years. It's the truth. He has been playing pro for years in Europe because it's allowed there. But do you think that his immediate success is kind of a little bit of a driving force here? Well, I think the the, the same rules apply to foreigners. They have to be 19 years old, and it gets really technical, but they still have those rules in place. But I do think that there is an issue that the, the league—I think the, I think there's a combination of a lot of things, and Zion Williamson is just one of the things. But I do think the league now has—before, years ago, they just did not—these teams, the G League was nothing. There was really no development league, and if somebody was going to go develop, they go play in Europe and they come back. But now the G League is becoming—G League, D League, whatever you want to call it—is becoming—each team has their own minor league team just like in baseball mm -hmm. and these teams want these players not to play in college they actually want them to come out and play and so they can watch them and develop them in their own uh, with their system and see them with the medical staffs and the coaching of the NBA game mm -hmm. do you think um what was I going to say? Did you happen to see what um, John Calipari said? He, he came out, they questioned him. I mean, he's like the king of one and done. That's what he does. Um, he puts these kids through a six-month boot camp, get them ready for the NBA. He came out and said, I would love it if, if they got rid of one and done. Let, let, the, let these kids go into the league. I think he's kind of pulling our leg there a little bit. He's been making a career off this. Well, I think those coaches, and I think Duke has become a one and done school. I think what you're going to start to see is that from those programs, they're going to be pulling more transfers because now you're seeing a lot of more graduate transfers because people are graduating into or three years, you're going to start seeing the Dukes and the Kentuckys going and taking the top. You're going to see players leaving top programs going to Duke saying, look, Duke has a scholarship for you. So you're going to see one and done, meaning they're probably going to play one year, like almost like when Russell Wilson, when he played to Wisconsin in football, when he was an NC State player, mm -hmm. and then he went to Wisconsin and was a superstar. You're going to start seeing those one and dones, but just meaning more of a 22-year-old one and done. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, regardless. But I'm all for it. I mean, it, this is a we're a right to work state here in Florida. The NBA should be right to work. Um, Seven thirty-three. Iron Sports, ninety-five-nine. The True Oldies Channel. Uh, Mike Balsamo. Um, what about your Dukies? They're uh, Gonzaga. I think was voted to number one today, so they're they're going to take over number one. But you guys have still been playing pretty good. Had a win over Cuse this week. Well, the Syracuse victory was tremendous. I mean. R.J. Barrett had his best game. I mean, he's the guy that R.J. Barrett, people are saying he's from Canada. They're saying that he is probably the number two player in the draft. There's some people thought he was going to be first before Zion. He shot 14 for 20 against Syracuse, 30.7 assists. He played tremendous basketball, and that was a great win for Duke. Uh, Trey Jones, their, uh, the point guard, again, shot poorly, two for 12 for 11 points. I mean, that's, and Reddish did even play well. The other star player only had five points. But they changed their bench around. They brought in this Alex O'Connell who's the very skinny guy on the court who looks like he weighs 110 pounds. And he had his best game. He had 20 points. And Duke actually shot pretty well from threes, nine for 29. But it was a good win over Syracuse. I mean, polls mean nothing. It's all about the tournament. Mm. But Gonzaga, I mean, this, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. They beat BYU by 34 points. They, no team in the last 19 games has been within 13, 14 points of them. They really are playing poor competition in the conference they're in. Now, they're, they're going to have a huge advantage in the tournament because they're going to be number one 
one seed in the West. And they'll stay out West. And because there's so few good Western teams that they're going to actually be out there, they'll be playing Eastern teams out West for the first two rounds of the tournament. And that's going to be a big advantage for them. But Gonzaga's, Gonzaga will be number one and probably go as a number one. They will not lose the rest of the way mm-hmm. in the season. It's. I don't think Gonzaga's ever had a one seed. I mean, I've seen them as high. They get up to like two. When Adam Morrison was there, I think they were like a two or a three seed. But I can't remember a school that that small ever being a number one seed. They've been up there, but if this is this year is a, weird, a lot of weird things have happened to allow them to to get there. And and and. But it's interesting. I mean, now you have UVA beat Louisville sixty four fifty two. Um, so they're the number two seed. Kentucky had a big win over against Auburn. I mean, this is one of Kentucky's best teams without without a big name, which is surprising. Um, I like this. Houston team. I mean, they're they're number eight in the country. They only have one loss all year. They're twenty six and one. They won by twelve. Uh, and Kansas is a team. I, I'm telling you, when you start doing your polls and you're going to see Kansas as a four or five seed, people. I mean, that's a team that is just they are falling apart. They lost by uh, thirty points to Texas Tech. So wow. uh, and that was uh, that was a disaster. Texas Tech's playing really well, and Michigan State beat Michigan, uh, two other good teams. But um, I watched the Tennessee LSU game, uh, and LSU upset Tennessee in overtime. Uh, LSU didn't have their star player Tremont Waters, and still came on and won that game. It's, and LSU has a really good team this year too. So it, it's. It's going to be exciting. I love the tournament. I love getting ready for it. And uh, but and I'll just be giving you some names. I mean, this week, look at the Marquette-Nova game because Nova hasn't been playing well. Marquette's been playing really, really mm-hmm. well. Duke's at Virginia Tech. Uh, Miami's at Duke on Saturday. And then on Saturday, also Kentucky plays at Tennessee, which is going to be another good SEC game. It's poor Tennessee. You know I've got a soft spot for Tennessee. I went to college uh, in Murfreesboro. Um I knew it was too good to be true when Tennessee was number one, and they've been sliding since. Well, they've been playing some really tough games, and yeah. they're going to be good. And, and I think it'll be they 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 have senior again another senior team that should do well in the tournament. Um, and so I wouldn't say it. They, they've had some tough win. They've had tough games, and this game against Kentucky on Saturday is going to be huge. Let's um talk about the uh, the never ending soap opera that is your Pittsburgh Steelers, Ira. Um, I guess they're. You've decided to part ways with Antonio Brown. It looks pretty amicable, um, you know, from both standpoints. They're both done with it. Um, they did come out and say that they won't trade him to the AFC North or the Patriots. So I, I can't blame him for that. Of course, they prefer to ship him to the N- N- NFC. Let's talk about that and also talk about uh, what's going on with your boy Le'Veon. Well, I really think that it, the Steelers don't want to they, – they've made that comment. I mean, if the best deal is in place, though, I think, truthfully, if the Patriots give them the best deal, they'll make the trade. I, they yeah. might make a statement like that, but if they're getting more draft picks, they're still going to make that trade. But I think Tampa Bay uh, looks like – Bruce Arians is the coach there. He's the co- He was the coach, the offensive coordinator of the Steelers when Antonio Brown started becoming the superstar that he was years ago. Ago. And I think that, and, and I know that he knows how to utilize it. They already have Mike Evans, a great wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is a possibility to go to Tampa Bay. To put him with Mike Evans would be uh, a very fearsome uh, wide receiving core. And then uh, Carolina, uh, with an idea, because they have no wide receivers at all, they're in the NFC, and the owner of the Carolina Panthers used to be the owner of Tepper, used to be a, a, the owner of the Steelers, mm-hmm. one of the owners with the Roonies. So that's a possibility. And also San Francisco. So I do think, but it looks like there could be a move with Antonio Brown very soon. It could be before the next couple of weeks. What about the Jets? Uh, I've seen them pop up, and I can see it. Uh, I, I, the Jets are a team that l- doesn't mind spending money in free agency. The Jets haven't had a, a skill player 
of any talent since Curtis Martin. I mean, they are just devoid of everything when it comes to receivers and and running backs. This would be the be- the best player that they've had in my lifetime. Well, the the funny thing about the Jets is they're being rumored to sign Le'Veon Bell at running back mm-hmm. and trading for Antonio Brown at wide receiver. So they they could both Bell and Brown could be going to the Jets. It, it's I think one of the th- ideas with the trade is they have a Robbie Anderson a wide receiver that might be able to come in to be a number two wide receiver behind Juju Smith Schuster at the Steelers. So there could be actually a trade where the Steelers are actually getting back a wide receiver instead of just draft picks. But um, it is a possibility, but I think it's something's going to happen in the next uh, couple weeks. I don't know. What, I mean, I, I've seen that Robbie Anderson linked there as well. I don't think he's very good. Him or Quincy Anunma. I mean, maybe he's a number two, you know, but I, I, it's for me, I'd be more interested in draft picks than Robbie Anderson. Well, the Steelers have proven, I mean, Antonio Brown was a sixth round draft pick. Yeah. So I, Steelers have proven they've been, they are one of the best drafters of wide receivers out there. So it's I not even, that, a, it's not even a question. Yeah. So I think the Steelers would prefer to having more draft picks. I mean, a lot depends on the Steelers and I, we'll talk about this as the season goes on and, James Washington was drafted in the second round from Oklahoma State last year, um, and he was a very good wide receiver in college. I saw him in training camp, and he looked great. During the season, he looked terrible. Um, but a lot of these wide receivers do. People forget Heinz Ward, Antonio Brown. They did not have great rookie seasons. Uh, if James Washington can step up and have a great year next year, that's going to eliminate a lot of problems the Steelers have because I think they have high hopes that Washington is going to be that number two wide receiver. You know, it's funny when we talk about um, you know fantasy and stuff like that, which is Really, when it comes down to it, it's about production. I'll never draft rookie receivers high. I can't remember the last, maybe Mike Evans had a, had a good rookie year, but other than that, it usually takes receivers a little while to come around. Calvin Ridley was the top pick this year, and he had an okay. He had a better season than I thought he was going to because he had a couple of a couple of nice games, but then he disappears for four games. So, uh, running backs. Be my guest, <laughs> rookie running backs. But yeah, it's hard for these guys to come around. But yeah, no team has drafted receivers like the Steelers. I mean, you guys just have been cranking them out. A lot of them have character issues, and you send them packing. Mike Wallace, Martavis Bryant. But it, these guys, they hit all over the place. Who was Juju, a third-rounder? Uh, third-rounder. Third, yeah, so I mean, they, they they have no issues getting talent um, deep in the draft. Um, this is kind of crazy, Ira, but I, I heard um, rumors cir- you know, circulating that Adam Silver— should take over the the NFL. He has done. I think he's like doubled the um, the net uh, the value of the NBA in, in his short tenure. So I, I could see why maybe, but this isn't going to happen, right? Well, it's it's interesting. I thought it was that was an interesting story because we talk about Roger Goodell getting replaced all the time. And considering I met him at the Rams game, I thought that was interesting. But um, the, considering that Pete Rozelle was the commissioner of the NFL from sixty to 90, 30 years, and then Paul Tagliabue was there from ninety to two thousand six, another. 17 years and Roger Goodell's been there for 13 years you literally are going to have probably in 80 years three commissioners I mean it's really one of those jobs that mm. once you get you just don't leave I mean Roger Goodell's only 59 years old and uh, um, it was interesting when he was chose after Paul Tagliabue um, uh, but uh, he, he was it was it was almost one of these compromised candidates in terms of it, he was he was he worked in the team in the league office and he had done favors for everybody. But people did not think he was going to be the name, the commissioner. I was surprised. And uh, and then he was brought in. And so it was like and even when when Tagliabue got it, he was the league attorney and he was and he was supposed to be. I mean, Jim Finks, who was the was ran the the uh, New Orleans Saints, was supposed to get the job over Tagliabue. But he was able to come in. But I think it's one of those things where why Silver's name came up was because you're not the NFL is not going to make another owner the commissioner. That's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the point is you're not going to bring the head of Microsoft or or Boeing or a company. Like it's like what so the only 
commissioner that you could hire is probably another commissioner. So that's why Silver might be the only name that people would agree to. And but you need because you need the three quarters vote of the commissioners. They're just not going to find someone. Even every every owner probably has a problem with Goodell at some point, but they're never going to coalesce around somebody else to be the commissioner. So that's why I think he's going to be the commissioner until he decides he doesn't want to be commissioner anymore. Ira, why don't you apply for this no. job? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> hey, this is Iron Sports, the true oldies channel. Mike Balsamo here at 743. Um, yeah, I, I can't see that happening either. I mean, they are typically attorneys, right, that that slide into it's the NBA, the NBA and the NFL's jobs. Baseball's obviously a little different. But, you know, so where else do you find these people? Like, I, don't, I don't even know where Roger Goodell came from. Next, it was just like, well, Paul Tagliabue. Well, gone. Goodell started as an intern in the league office and just worked like his Spolstra. way up. <laughs> yes, I mean, he really just worked his way up. He really had no other job but being an intern in the office and worked his way up. And then it was a position where he had, he was a COO of the league and he sort of was doing favors for, like, made sure for every team they got something and everybody knew about him so they became comfortable with that. And that's sort of how he got. Um, Adam Silver was the, at uh, the NBA, was he was under, um, he First of all, he went to law school. He went to Duke, actually, undergrad in Chicago Law School. But uh, but then he worked under David Stern, who was also a lawyer. And then eventually, uh, just people were familiar with him in the league, and that's why he became commissioner. And he's only 56 years old. Let's talk about um, you know the NFL. I'll, I don't put that much stock into Mel Kuyper and, and Todd McShay and these— if you go through, they usually hit one pick a draft. I mean, it's it, it's really a crapshoot. They maybe get the first player right. Um, this year, though, the rumors from them and a lot of sources are this is a deep draft. Maybe not the the top end superstars, but you can get Pro Bowl caliber guys in the third, fourth, fifth round, especially at some of the the less sexy positions, offensive line, um, secondary spots like that. Who do you have your eyes on um, for the for the combine and then the NFL draft? Well, I think it's interesting I, when you look at what the mock drafts are. It's almost everybody is drafting def- defense, and there's a defensive lineman from Nick Bosa, there's from like forty Ohio tackles, State, yeah, Quinton Williams from Alabama, Josh Allen of Kentucky. I, when I was looking at all the top names, I saw all of them play this year. Rashawn Gary for Michigan. Um, I've seen. I mean, besides all the games, the college football games I saw between Penn State and in the bowl games, um, I, I saw that all these guys play, and and, and I think people are just looking for defense. Defensive lineman position, seeing the Aaron Donalds and everything. And the two quarterbacks that are talking the first round are Haskins for Ohio State and Murray for Oklahoma. And it's weird. At the combine this week, the most important thing is is how tall is Kyler Murray? Is he 5'10, 5'8, 5'7? I think his height is the most I've never I think there's more discussion in terms of how tall he is. Yep. They know he can throw the ball far. They know how fast. There's no doubt that he's super fast. They don't really need him to do anything else, but just how tall is he? Because can someone his height actually be successful in the NFL? They already said he gained 15 pounds. Since the end of the season, so I don't know if he's going to get a uh, drug test on his door, but that's a lot of weight to be putting on. He's going to need it if, if he plans on being a quarterback. You just hope that doesn't take away from his speed. Um, Ira, you know you're here in South Florida often, but you're typically all over the country. I listen to a lot of local Miami radio, and these guys are salivating at the thought of having Kyler Murray in a Dolphins uh, jersey. Have you heard any of this? Well, yeah. I mean, I think I think any team looking for a quarterback feels that he is going to be uh, could be a superstar. And they look at Baker Mayfield and played in that system in Oklahoma. Um, and but Baker was a bigger guy, so that's why Kyler gained some weight. Baker, if you looked at Baker, he's he's more of a Drew Brees type of yeah. body. He's strong. Kyler it was very very skinny, uh, very fast, didn't really get hit a lot. It is funny though because if you look at the poll, look at the 
the draft orders from last year, um, nobody had Kyler Murray being drafted. So how in the world do you not be on any board of being drafted? And suddenly, I only had one year as a quarterback, mm. and then now you're in the one of the top ten picks. But uh, but it's between Haskins at Ohio State and Kyler Murray are the two top quarterbacks. Uh, and then there's some interesting other quarterbacks. The one quarterback that I I like this year is Gardner Minshew of Washington State. I watched Washington State play a bunch of games. I loved how he played. I think he has a lot of Patrick Mahomes in him. Uh, and I saw the Mel Kiper Adams like the tenth quarterback. Probably someone's going to draft him in the fourth or fifth round. But I think he's someone who would I would not be surprised be started in the NFL in a year or two. Uh, I would love to see that happen. I, I don't know if I buy into the Kyler Murray thing. To tell you the truth, it, it's nothing. Not even just to do with his height. I just don't like. And you know Baker Mayfield is proving me wrong every day. But I don't like one year quarterbacks in offenses that throw the ball. Of course he's going to have stats. They throw the ball fifty five times a game. That's not to take away from him. I just don't like any of these quarterbacks that much, and obviously the Giants. Every single mock draft at pick number six has him taking Haskins. I don't like. I don't love these quarterbacks. I'd rather the Giants. The Giants have so many holes. I'd rather the Giants take one of these stud defensive linemen or, or edge rushers to get after the quarterback and wait till next year or the year after when there really is some great quarterbacks uh, floating around coming up. Yeah, I think whoever takes Kyler Murray, he really should not start next year and not even play that much, hardly at all. I mean, they, they think that Patrick Mahone sat an entire year. Um, he's someone who who I think should it would be great if he could go behind a quarterback and learn for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think rushing him to be a starter, I think that's why Miami, if they got rid of Tannehill, was the quarterback there. I think there would be too much pressure. He should go to a situation where he's, there's not a lot of pressure for him to start that, that year. No, that, that makes perfect sense. Have you heard the rumors? Um, obviously, Arizona has a new head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I've heard rumors that they were trying to work something out with the Steelers to send Josh Rosen last year, their, their, their first overall pick from last year, to the Steelers with some draft picks to try to get Antonio Brown. You know, so uh, do you buy into this that that? Kingsbury would come in and say, I don't like the quarterback you gave me, and I'm using the number one overall pick on my guy? Well, Josh Rosen was the quarterback at UCLA. I, I, of all the quarterbacks drafted last year, I wasn't impressed by him in college. I, he missed a lot of games with injuries. I didn't like how he played last year anyway. And for the Arizona, I didn't think he played well. Granted, that team is awful. And the team was bad, but I... As a, I don't. I think it'd be interesting. I think Kingsbury. I think would like to have Kyler Murray. He's watched him play when he was in the Big Twelve. Uh, he was Kingsbury was the coach at Texas Tech, so he played against him and recruited him and those things. But um, it'll be interesting. I think. I think Kyler Murray is going to be. That'll be the number one. I mean, it's like sort of the Johnny Manziel this year. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a better player than Johnny Manziel to see where he goes. And also uh, Haskins of Ohio State. He does seem to have his head on straight. You know, Johnny Manziel was was a mess, and I I, I knew he wasn't going to pan out. Just was. You know, you know, character issues. That's what was my knock was on Baker Mayfield, not knowing what you're getting. Is he going to be uh, grabbing his crotch on the side? You know, at reporters on the sideline, just didn't know, and it was too risky for me to invest in him one overall pick in. Doesn't look so bad right now for the Browns. I mean, he had a, a very promising rookie year, better than anybody else, any of the other rookie quarterbacks. Um, let's talk about basketball for a little while. You were at this game. Lakers played the Rockets. This was a shocker. The Rockets are a very weird team this year. I think they're going to go deep in the playoffs. They've beaten Golden State three times this year, and I think they believe they play tonight. Um, but you saw the Lakers, who've been kicking out of their own way, beat them just this week. Well, the Rockets had a 19-point lead, 
and and the Lakers looked so bad out there. They were terrible, and 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 all the Rockets had to do was just keep running some plays, and they would have won the game. But the Rockets get into the three point shooting. They start taking terrible shots. They take quick shots. If there's ever a team that you think could just blow a twenty some point lead, it's the Rockets because they just keep taking. And James Harden got tired. He was eleven for twenty four, two for ten for three pointers. This whole thirty point thing is ridiculous. And uh, but but Chris Paul played great. He's back, and they made a sneaky little trade. They got Ken Fareed, uh, from who used to play for Denver, who then went over to uh, Brooklyn to play. And he's now doing a great job for Houston. He's uh, rebounding, shooting threes, uh, a, a, another great addition. But, um, I mean, it's like the Lakers now with Kuzma, Ingram, and LeBron. LeBron had 29 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, Brandon Ingram had 27 points. And it was a big win for the Lakers. I mean, they really needed that win. And it's almost like they need every win. And then... They do. <laughs> but then they come out Saturday night and they're playing Anthony Dave. They're playing uh, the Anthony Davis less uh, mm. New Orleans Pelicans and they lose by 13, 128 to 115. So it was just a bad, bad loss for the Lakers. And now tonight they play Memphis. And it's again, that interesting thing where every game is going to be like, can LeBron will this team into the playoffs because they lose to, to the Pelicans. And then LeBron calls out the players saying, you guys don't understand. This is a really important. And then they're saying, was LeBron too mean? Was he too <laughs> nice? Was he this? And so, I mean, it's always a drama. It's all drama now. Speaking of uh, the Lakers making the playoffs, not going to be easy. Like we said, Sacramento, these guys, these guys are as young and fun as any team in the league. I'm rooting for them. They have a, they hate L.A. with a passion, so they're not going to roll over and let the Lakers slide in the back door here. What's the standings look like, and how do you think it plays out? Well, Golden State is first. Denver's one back. Denver's the big surprise team. I mean, I don't think anyone saw this coming no. in terms of being and, – and Jokic is playing great. Uh, they're, they're just they're, – they are – they're a weird team. I, I, I truly believe they could be a team that could get upset in the first round of the, of the playoffs. Oh, though, without a doubt. Because I just think that they – I mean, they're just it's just a weird team. Oklahoma City has played better. With they're Paul a surprise George. to me too. They're playing great. They're four back. Portland six back. Houston and is eight, and uh, Utah and is nine. Uh, Utah finally got into the playoffs. San Antonio is ten back now. San Antonio has played really poorly lately, and they're another team that I just. But right now, Sacramento is at, at Sacramento is at, and the uh, and and the uh, Clippers are are tied. So it'll be interesting to see if the Lakers, who are thirteen back, they're three back behind the Clippers, can come back and get that. A spot. Let's talk about uh, what you're watching uh, this week, NBA wise. There's a lot of implications on the line. Well, Golden State is coming to Miami on Wednesday night. And when we talked about the West, now the Miami is at 18 and a half. I mean, it's weird. The East is so easy. Miami has won in the last 10 games, they only won two games. They're 26 and 32, but they're still a game and a half out. They got Drogic just came back, uh, but now they have uh, a game tonight against Phoenix, which is a must, must win. Yeah, they're then Wednesday, they play Golden State uh, at home. But I mean, they lost against Detroit uh, uh, on Saturday, 119 to 96. And again, they just cannot continue to lose all these games and think they're going to make the playoffs uh, this year. But uh, Golden State's at Philly on Saturday. Uh, that should be interesting in terms of that game. And there's an issue whether Embiid is getting hurt. I mean, he's been something with his knee. So it'll be see where, they, where the uh, Sixers are. Um, yeah, the whole thing's interesting. I, I didn't see... You know, a year ago, Wayne Ellington seemed like he might be uh, their next little golden boy, and they waived him. The, I think he's on Detroit now. 
I didn't see that coming. I mean, I know that the the Heat are marred with having twelve of the same guy essentially. So there there had to be an odd man out, but I didn't think it was going to be Ellington. Well, Ellington was a, was a player, but once they brought Dion Waiters back, they just really had no role for him on the team. It's they have Eric Spolter has tried every single lineup. I mean, I follow the Heat. I watch. They don't them. have a lineup. They, they are just they, rotated every they night. They literally are playing like twelve guys, and they're starting and they're trying to figure it to make it work. And it's now Drogic is coming back. Yeah, what's going to be the plan with Drogic? Well, he's coming off the bench now, but you have so Wade. they let so, Justice in. Yeah, so you're trying to, and Justice Winslow is playing well. I mean, it's weird how these they're just not and it's, it's but they really don't have. It's not that hard. Hard to get in the playoffs. I mean, when you think of a team like Orlando is at 18, but Charlotte is at 17, and Detroit's at 16 and a half. I mean, these teams are all struggling at the back of the East, and you expect in the playoffs that the top four teams or the top five teams actually are much better than the bottom three. Um, let's do baseball real quick here. Um, one of the uh, whales is signed, and the other one is still a free agent, like we said. I don't know if you heard this, but Austin Hedges, the uh, great defensive catcher for the Padres, he was on his way to bunting drills, and he got the news that they signed Manny Mikado. And he was screaming, jumping up and down, got all excited. And the, one of the reporters asked him, like, what's going on? What, what do you know? I'm just really excited for bunting drills. So they're, they're loving this in San Diego, the fans, the players, and I think it's a good fit, Manny and Sandy. I want to tell you something. This is probably one of the best signings it is a perfect signing for Manny Machado because he is he's played in the year he's seven years in the league he played at Baltimore where it really didn't could not was not under the microscope a lot but everybody knew that he's a dirty player he's had a lot of problems he's like mean to the press but then when he goes to the Dodgers last year only for half a season then all his warts were exposed yeah. and everyone's like oh my gosh he's a jerk but now he can go to San Diego he can hit his 30 home runs 100 RBIs hit 290 he's going to go to third base the team isn't supposed to win for another couple years and just play there and make his 10 years $300 million contract he's only 26 years old mm. so it's like one of those things I was surprised that he got the 10 year 300 but uh, I think for San Diego, they really don't have any other big contracts. They have Eric Hosner, they signed for $144 million, and Will Myers is six years, 83. They really have no other contracts besides those those two, plus Machado, and he can sort of stay under the radar. I think if he went to the Yankees, he went to the Mets, the Dodgers, the Phillies, these big-name franchises that with the media, I think there'd be problems. I think he'd get, I think people would be asking questions. When he has a, when he has a slump at San Diego, no one's going to care. And I think that's good. I think it was a great move for him, plus the weather's great in uh, San Diego. So. Yeah, can't blame him for, for choosing that lifestyle. Um, I, I don't know how how strong that three four five is of Will Myers, Eric Hosmer, and Manny Mikado. Surely it's a lot better than they were two years ago with with two of those guys not there. But they're still a little ways away. They do have the top prospect in all the baseball, and Fernando Tatis Jr., who's gonna who does play left side of the infield. Also, it's now they're saying he's gonna be delayed or possibly move positions if Manny does want to stick at shortstop. So we'll wait to see. But I think I like what the San Diego general manager said. He said, "Look." We signed him probably a year earlier. We're not ready to have him, but they felt that this year there guys was, don't pop up every day. Yeah, th <laughs> that someone as good doesn't pop up every day, and that they felt like there was not competition for him, and they really felt like it wasn't one. It's one of these years where the Dodgers and the Yankees and the big money market teams weren't really to spend all this money, and who knows that the Yankees might wake up next year and said, "Look, we're going to spend a ton of money," or the Dodgers might decide to. Yeah. So they had a year where they could actually get a player like that. They felt it fit in their budget, so I think it made sense for them. I, I wish the Pirates would think like that. Somehow, I'm not saying they should have signed someone for 10 years, 300, but it, look what the Pirates signed. They signed nobody. Some of these other franchises don't sign anyone. And at least, I mean, San Diego lost their football team. This is the baseball team. They have no basketball team. They have no hockey team. Baseball is the team there. They draw very well. They have an amazing ballpark, which everyone thinks is, I want to get down there this year to a game. People I would love think to it's, see. Great. it's on my bucket list. So it is definitely, and I think it's a smart, I think it's a good move for everybody. 
Uh, Bryce Harper remains unsigned, and now we're starting to hear they might have some small deals coming up for him. Well, I think it's not small. I think the long term deal, deals, the yeah. short term deals, the the, the long term deal would be the Phillies. That's who the, I was in Las Vegas this weekend, and the rumors. I mean, everyone talked about how the Phillies owner flew there on his plane and was meeting with Bryce Harper because Bryce lives in Las Vegas. But then the Dodgers and Giants are offering instead of the ten year deal, sort of like you hear the three or four year deal for like fifty million a year, something short where they don't want to go to these long term deals. So it'll be interesting what happens with Bryce Harper. I mean, it's amazing. We're in spring training, but really, does he need to be signed this week or next week? Not really. No. But I think the more you hear he's going to have to take some sort of contract. He's going to go long term with the Phillies or, but I really think he wants to play for the Dodgers and the Giants. I think he's a West Coast guy. I think he would like to play for the Dodgers. He wants to be the big name. I think he's, I think he wants the Dodgers. I think he wants to play for the Dodgers. I would not I would, and no Boris is his agent. This is a really tough call because I think he def, definitely wants to play for the Dodgers and w doesn't want to take the big contract to play for the Phillies. But if the Dodgers aren't willing to give him the years, the 10 years, 300, then he's probably going to have to take the Phillies deal. With, with these, um, you know, whales, uh, so to speak, out there, a lot of very shrewd and smart moves got kind of swept under the rug. Watch out for the Braves. I mean, they grabbed Josh Donaldson, who has been, a, you know, an amazing third baseman uh, for Toronto uh, and Oakland before that. And also Michael Brantley. This guy's an all-star going to Houston, who's already the most stacked team in the league. So it, it's going to be uh, – it's been an interesting offseason so far. Any other moves you want to highlight? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it was one of those moves where, like, as I said, I've said before, I think Joe Kelly going from the Red Sox. Anybody watch the World Series saw how well he pitched for the Red Sox, going for the Dodgers for three years, twenty-five million dollars. I thought that was great. I think Yankee, the Red Sox signing Evaldi for four years, sixty-seven, keeping him there. I thought that was really important. Um, you talk about and Pat Corbin uh, is people love him as a pitcher. He's overrated, but <laughs> I didn't want the Yankees to go after him at all. He got us. He's the other one who got the big contract, the six-year, yeah. one forty. They put him with Scherzer. And they put him with Strasburg in Washington. And that's why Washington sort of did not took their offer off the table. So I'm interested to see how he pitches in Washington. Washington is obsessed with that. And, and we'll see. You know who should have a good year this year? I love Daniel Murphy. And he went from the Cubs He's to the such Rockies. an underrated player. And, and he hits well. And I think in Colorado, in that environment, and I think for two years at $24 million, I mean, this is a guy in Colorado that could have like a hit 350, 360. I mean, he could for, He's a great 12, player. for $12 million a year. People remember how well he played for the Mets. So I like that a lot, too. Um, let's talk. Albert Pujols is uh, probably going to break some records this year. He's putting his name further in the record books. I love statistics. I'm obsessed with all baseball statistics. And so every year I like to say, what's going to be a stat that's going to happen? Pujols is at 633 home runs. You know, ever the number of May is at 660. So we could pass Mays. But also the interesting thing is RBIs. He has 1,982 RBIs. Ruth. Gehrig and Bonds never had 2,000 RBIs. He's like 10 away from each one of them. Great. So it'll be neat. When you can pass Ruth, Gehrig, and Bonds and get the 2,000 RBIs, that should be should be cool. Um, let's uh, just really quick touch on tennis. Our buddy Francis TFO didn't look so good in Delray. No, you know, Delray tournament, I, I, I was in I was in L.A. this week, so I didn't get to see it. And TFO lost in the first round. Del Poto, who was the number one seed, lost in the quarters. And John Isner lost in the semifinals. They had Radu Albat, who was a qualifier, beat Dan Evans, who's 105th in the world in the finals. It really was not like what they had hoped for in their tournament. And it's a shame because this tournament should be for these young... Now, Mackenzie McDonald and Young, young America did well. But you're hoping that you're like to see in the semifinals. There's so many Americans in this tournament that the Americans... 
Americans do well. It's a great tournament for them, and they really didn't play well. And and I feel bad for. I love the tournament. I love Del Rey, and uh, I would have come back and watched the finals on yesterday, but uh, I was not really interested to see Albots and Evans. You're a big fan of um, boxing and also MMA, and there's uh, some good stuff to watch out for coming up. John Jones is fighting this weekend. I was in Vegas. They're talking about it. I mean, he's a guy who was fighting. He's probably the biggest star in MMA right now behind McGregor, and uh, he's going to be fighting Anthony Smith in a light heavyweight match in Vegas. Uh, in boxing-wise, uh, Terrence Crawford and Amir Khan on April 20th. Canelo versus Daniel Jacobs on May 4th. That is going to be a great fight. I think Daniel Jacobs has a shot against Canelo. I think that I'm really excited for that fight. And on June 1st, it was just announced last week, we didn't get to it last week, with Anthony Joshua, who is the star heavyweight, uh, uh, who's only fought in England his whole career, is now, because he's English, and he's <laughs> coming over to America and fighting in the Madison Square Garden against Jarrell Miller. So it'll be interesting to see him. I definitely want to see, see Joshua at the Garden. I remember you headed this week. Um, Honda Classic, uh, definitely. So I'll be at the Honda all week. Uh, me as well. We are about out of time, though. It's Ira. I'm Mike. Ira on sports. Let's talk next Monday night here on the True Oldies Channel.